Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's cup of topic is the Gospel of Mark. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzalo. It is my honor to serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, Gospel of Mark, let's hit it. All right. Tell me something about it. It was the first of the Gospels to be written. Oh, okay. So even though in our Bible order it is not the first one printed, Matthew is the first in the Bible order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Sure. Mark was, scholars agree, the first of the Gospels that was written. So time-wise, Jesus died somewhere around the year 30. Okay. Paul's letters were written somewhere in the years 40 to 50. Okay. And the Gospel of Mark was written somewhere toward the end of the 60s, right around the time of Nero's persecutions in Rome and the sacking of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in year 70. Okay, so here's a question for you. Is it actually written by Mark? We don't know. Okay, but why is it called Mark then? Well, it's attributed to someone named Mark, who was close to Peter from our gospel stories. And so that's the name that comes down. All of the gospels, we don't know exactly who wrote them. Okay. They're given these names, and then scholars will often say the gospel writer of Mark. Okay. Hedging bets. (laughs) Hedging bets, right? So that you don't necessarily always call like, well, Mark said that. The gospel of Mark says that. The gospel writer of Mark says that. Okay, well, let me ask you this question then, and I'm sure we'll cover this with each one, but we'll start with Mark. Is it one person writing it, or is it an amalgamation of people? These particular, the gospels, are understood to have been written by a single hand. Okay. Now, they have different sources, and we'll talk more about that in Matthew and Luke, because Mark was the first one. But they are understood to have been written by a single hand. So that's different than like our Old Testament books, like Isaiah, which was written by several different authors. Okay. And then you get first, second, and third Isaiah because they're different people writing at different times with different contexts. Okay. And it could be incredibly spread out, no real idea. Exactly. Like the length of time over which the book of Isaiah was written was much longer versus a gospel, which was written... Perhaps it took a couple years to write it. We don't know. Okay. But we can say that it was written somewhere around the end of the 60s, around and perhaps either like shortly before the sacking of Jerusalem, right around that time. That event matters because it's referenced differently in the Gospels that that happen later. Okay. So Mark was the first. And one of the pieces that I like to think about the Gospel of Mark is that It's kind of like writing shorthand for everybody who knows the story. Okay. Okay. So if you think about major events that have happened in our lifetime, for example, let's think about one that will really stick out in our national conscience, September 11th, 2001. Okay. Okay. In the first five years after that event, we could all just say 9-11. Okay. And every one of our contemporaries could remember exactly what that means. The Mm -hmm. images of everything that happened that day are going to be fresh and clear in our minds. We're going to know exactly where we were when it happened. 
and we're going to know the story. And we're going to know the story, not just of that day, but like the weeks and months that came after and the immediate years that came after. And all of that is going to be associated with just the two words, 9-11. Okay. Now that we are 16 years later and we have children who weren't alive when 9-11 happened. Oh, time passing is a fascinating thing. Right? It's so fascinating and so surprising in a lot of ways. Now when we say 9-11, we have to give a little more context. Sure. Now we might say September 11th, 2001, instead of saying 9-11. Now when we're talking to those who weren't alive at that time, we might say the day that the World Trade Center was destroyed by planes crashing into them. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting to use more and more words instead of just the shorthand. And as we get farther along the way, we have to start giving more descriptors. So for some in our audience, you might be able to understand more effectively even than those who are younger who are listening by thinking about things like the day that Kennedy was assassinated. Sure. Now when you start to tell someone even of my generation about that, you need to give a lot more information. You need to tell me where it was. You need to tell me when it was in his presidency. You need to tell me what was going on within the culture and why it would matter that this event happened. And all of those pieces have to start getting added to the story. So the Gospel of Mark is the first time this story is being told. And many of the people who saw the story or were the immediate generation after the story occurred are still alive. Okay. It's still fresh. It's fresh. And so you can shorten the story. You don't have to give as much detail. You can give detail, but just you don't have to give quite as much. So the Gospel of Mark is by far the shortest of our four Gospels. Okay. It is only 16 chapters. The others are 21, 23, 24 right? Almost a full 10 more chapters. Okay. The gospel of Mark doesn't start with the birth narrative. Okay. We jump right in at baptism. We jump right in with the cousin John and Jesus's baptism. So all of the birth narrative is missing out of the gospel of Mark. They're just going to go right to the stuff where he starts preaching. Right to the stuff where actually in the gospel of Mark, the first things that Jesus does when he gets baptized. Okay. Then he calls a couple disciples. And the very first act that Jesus does in the Gospel of Mark is to exorcise a demon. Okay. Second action is to heal someone who is sick. So he's getting right to the miracles. Straight to healing. Straight to cleaning the world. Straight to fixing the world. Huh. Directly into it. And I would be remiss to miss the opportunity to say, immediately, Jesus began healing. Because in the (laughs) Gospel of Mark... Everything happens immediately. Okay. And you'll see that word over and over and over again through the first chapters of the Gospel of Mark. It's like Jesus called disciples and immediately he exercised a demon and immediately he healed someone. And then immediately they were doing the next thing. And immediately they changed over to a new area of the region and they're suddenly going to do this thing. And immediately after that, like it just streaks through the beginning. And then... What my gospel professor used to say, the minute that you hit the shadow of the cross and you're walking towards it, it's like Mark slams on the brake. Huh. And then you slow down, you spend time getting to the cross and getting the betrayal and the trial 
and then the crucifixion. And then the big difference of the Gospel of Mark from the others, I mean, there's so many differences, but one of the greatest easy-to-see differences in the Gospel of Mark is how it ends. Unlike the other Gospels that talk about the resurrection, the Gospel of Mark original ending ends with the women coming to the tomb on the third day and the tomb is empty and the women run away in fear. So it ends with fear. It begins with healing, ends with fear. Mm -hmm. And kind of a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. That is weird. I love it. And the gospel of Mark, the very first line is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, but then how can you end that way? That's because there is no end because no, we're the end. Fine. <laughs> but people don't like it, right? They get really uncomfortable with it. So later centuries, people added an ending. <laughs> oh, nice. Right? Because fan fiction, biblical well, style. <laughs> biblical style. So the other gospels added the resurrection scenes and the comforting scenes of the mm. women and those kinds of pieces. I think we could use a little comfort. I'm not so... Instead of it ending with fear. Yeah. And so they tack that on to the end of the Gospel of Mark. Okay. But a lot of Bibles in modern publications will kind of put, even in italics, like, the earliest manuscripts do not include this portion of our Gospel. They'll For your reading you pleasure, know. please continue. <laughs> right. Okay. And then you have the next couple verses where Jesus is comes back and comforts the disciples. But the original ending is this running away in fear and leaving the story up in the air, which I think is really awesome. It's fascinating. I'll give you that. So just like all of the other books in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark is written in Greek. It is called Koine Greek, which is the the Greek of the time. Okay. One of the pieces I like to look at when I'm looking at Gospels and kind of trying to figure out the difference between them is what are the first words of Jesus Christ in each Gospel? Okay. So not the first story about him, but what is the first thing that is attributed to him speaking? If you had a red letter edition where all the words that Jesus says are in red letters, it would be the first red letters in that Gospel, for example. Do such things exist? Yes. Red letter Bibles? Uh Absolutely. Absolutely. I had no idea. Yes, absolutely. The more you know. The more you know. So the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark come right at verse 15 of chapter 1. And in the next couple podcasts, as we talk about the other Gospels, you'll see how different that is than the other Gospels. But with Mark, we immediately get right into it at chapter 1, verse 15, and Jesus says, and this is a, not the NRSV translation. This is the only one that I took. I believe it's from the New Living Version. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So the first thing that Jesus proclaims in the Gospel of Mark is the kingdom is here. It's now. It's now. No more waiting. No more waiting. The time promised by God is right here, right now, and then gets to work immediately on doing all the things. So the Gospel of Mark has a strong focus on healing, a lot of exorcism stories, a lot of Jesus casting out demons and evil spirits, tons of it. So it's kind of this Jesus as exorcist of the world, removing the evil out of the world. Now, we had done a podcast on healing 
I still think we need to get at some point a little deeper into this whole exorcism thing. Okay. And maybe that'll be a good Halloween topic some year. There we go. <laughs> so we're not done with that, but right. we're going to move on. All right. So the big difference, as I said before on this one, is that ending and how it doesn't really end and leaves it as a big cliffhanger, which is kind of fun. Even the newer versions, the one that do more paraphrasing, will they tack on another ending or will they just be bold and let it sit? I think it gets included because it has been included in so many manuscripts. Okay. But I think most publications that I have seen recently all kind of give that little caveat, that little editor's note. Okay. That this is a secondary ending to the Gospel of Mark. Okay. But at least they're letting you know that originally it did end just as an end. The earliest manuscripts that we have found that it ends with the fear. Okay. Now, is there any way without looking at a title page that you could tell this is definitely the Gospel of Mark? So the way that I would do that, and this was kind of a fun exercise as I was thinking about how to present these four Gospels, is how would I be able to tell without looking at it? I think if you see the word immediately. Okay, there's a tell. That's a huge tell. Okay. Huge, huge tell. And that word might be in some of the other Gospels, but nothing near the frequency, especially in the early chapters before you get to the cross. And so if you see the word immediately, 90% of the time, you're most likely in the Gospel of Mark. Okay. Another way that you can tell is probably look for those exorcisms. There's a the be demon happening. being cast out. Yeah. And the other Gospels have that. But this one, I think, has it the most frequently for okay. as many chapters as there are. Okay. Now, I also want to ask a question because in the past, I believe you've said you prefer Mark. Yep. Is that still true and why? The Gospel of Mark has been my favorite since I started studying the Gospel. So that was in like the year 2000 is when I really dug into the Gospels for the first time in my life in spring of 2001 when I took my Gospels course. And part of why I think Mark is my favorite is because it was the first one that we opened, the first one we read, and the first one where I really started to get this whole Jesus story. Okay. And it's accessible. It's not really, really long. It goes by quickly. Sure, like 16 chapters. 16 chapters and the immediateness of it. Sure. Like pulls you along in the story. So there's not a lot of lollygagging around and kind of, oh, well, let's tell 15 different parable stories now that all say the same thing. It's like, no, we're, we're moving. We're doing. We're doing the stuff. We're getting it done. Here we go. And I like that. And I really resonate and resonated with the humanness of Jesus and the Gospel of Mark. It's really easy to see the humanity of Jesus. And I liked that relatability. Sure. And that really spoke to me in the beginning of my faith walk. In the last couple years, like in the last three years, I would say there's like this tiny little shift where the Gospel of John is starting to be like, hey, yo, look at me too. I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> there's more than one Gospel. There's more than one. Do, do, do over here. And it's starting to like take my shiny focus over to the Gospel of John. So I think, you know, throughout a lifetime, we're probably all going to have phases where the different Gospels speak to us in different ways. Oh, that makes sense. And the Gospel of Mark really spoke to me strongly at the beginning of my faith and gave me a foundation for how I understand Jesus and how I understand call 
and how I hold on to the story. And now that I'm more than a decade down the road, I think the Gospel of John is starting to offer some pieces to me that open the story even wider. And I'm turning towards that gospel in a different way now than I had been. I wouldn't say that they're equal yet. Mark is still like my go-to, but John is edging up there. All right. Okay, then last question. Do you have a favorite verse for Mark? My favorite verse from the gospel of Mark is Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it's the story of the man with the withered hand. Okay. And what happens in this story is Jesus is in the temple and the leaders and the Pharisees and Sadducees are already trying to kind of trap him. It's a Sabbath day. It's a day of rest when you're not supposed to be doing any work. And they're trying to trap Jesus to get him in trouble so they can get rid of him because people are liking him an awful lot. And they bring in a man who has a withered hand and who has had a withered hand and they leave him there in front of Jesus like, so what are you going to do? And Jesus's response, I just think is fantastic. He gets angry and it's so human. And Jesus gets angry at them and says, tell me what is more lawful to let someone die on the Sabbath or to keep them alive on the Sabbath, to heal or to not heal on the Sabbath. And he calls the man forward and he heals his withered hand and he looks at the religious leadership just in fury and anger and basically tells them, how could you do this? How could you try to make your religious sensibilities be more important than this person's ability to care for his family, to be a part of community, to be productive and have a role in our culture and our society? How could you let your rules be more important than his well-being? and heals him. And it is that reason, it is that event that causes them to go out and to begin to plot to kill Jesus in the gospel of Mark. And so for me, reading the story for the first time and starting to understand why people take their faith into realms of social action and social activity and being someone who has always felt called to be a healer of a sort and who has wanted to make the world a better place in that way. When I read that story, I'm like, yes, that's the Jesus I can get on with. I can get on board with the Jesus who gets angry at cultural rules being more important than the wellness and the welfare of other people. So that Mark 3, 1 through 6, I would say that is probably still, even though it wasn't my ordination text, I would say my personal faith life, that is still the core foundational verses from my understanding of who Jesus is to me and how I want to be as Jesus in the world. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Gospel of Mark. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. It is always my pleasure. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love to know that you're there by seeing a review from you. You can also find us on our website, www.centralportland.org. Contact us via Facebook or through an email at podcast at centralportland.org. And until we are with you again, remember, God loves you no matter what.